Welcome to another episode of Europe's B2B SaaS sales podcast today with uh, John Barrows, um, true legend helping elevate um, the profession of sales as a whole, uh, claim where sales pros come to grow. And uh, John, you've been in sales like for 25 years plus, I think, uh, 380 plus uh, people who follow you on LinkedIn for good reason. So um, tell us a bit more about how you went into sales, about your journey to Jay Barrows training, and also if you can share then two actionable insights that sales reps can implement uh, suddenly. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on here. So I'll try to make a long story short here. Grew up here in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, went down to school at University of Maryland. Uh, kind of dragged my way through four years of college down there. Uh, got my degree in marketing because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, and then when I got into business, I just didn't like the jobs and marketing. And so I kind of fell into sales, just like most people, uh, went to wall power tools. Uh, so my first job was driving around, giving away free tools to construction workers, which was pretty fun. Um, and then I, then I sold for Xerox. That's where I got my actual formal sales education. Uh, and then from there, I didn't really like the corporate world all that much. I didn't really fit. And so, uh, my buddy had started a company, and so I joined them to run sales and marketing and I was 23 years old. So I didn't know what I was doing. So I took, you know, I took every training I could. I took Sandler, Miller Hyman, Taz, Stan Richardson, you name it. I took it. And I came across this company called Basho that I really liked. And it was, it was a training. The reason I liked it was because it was very tactical. It wasn't this big theory excuse me, about selling. It wasn't this huge process I had to follow. It was, here's how I send an email, send an email. And so I used Basho to help grow, grow Thrive, our company. Uh, we were the fastest growing company in Massachusetts for a few years in a row. Got us to about 85 employees and about 12 million in revenue. And then to make a very long story short, they screwed it up and I took it over. So I uh, went off on my own about uh, 15 years ago with Jay Barrows, um, now Sell Better by JD Sales. And uh, now I'm working with some of the top companies out there, especially in the tax SaaS world, SaaS world like Salesforce, LinkedIn, Box, Dropbox, uh, Okta, Google, Amazon, and a whole host of others. So having some fun doing it. We got a team of about 15 people working with me now, which is fun. Uh, we have two divisions. One is professional services for the corporate side of the house, and then we have a, a whole membership for our individuals. Two tactical things that people can, you know, going back to tactics and why I like this training. Um, for me, I'm a, I'm a big tactics, trying new things all the time. So two of my favorites, uh, making people can Google these. If you Google Jay Barrow's favorite nugget, and this one will come up. It is a uh, summary email. <clears throat> so the way it works is, and this also helps you so you don't get ghosted. So the way it works is, Manuel, if you and I are having a conversation, uh, at the end of the conversation, you have to let them know it's coming. So you go like this, hey, Manuel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, there's some next steps and action items here. Before I go ahead and do any of that, though, what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly summarize what I was able to gain from our conversation today. I'm going to send it over to you in a quick email. Could you do me a favor and email me back to let me know if it's all accurate and if I missed anything? Now, the person usually says yes. <coughs> that, that's awesome that you get this commitment, that you get this buy-in because... Most of the time, people just like, oh, send me some information to this degree, right. to this date after a decade. I don't know what some information means. This is the proposal. It's like a PDF, right. whatever. And then you never get any feedback and you get ghosted. Exactly. So, so what you do, and you don't write a book here. This is not all about you. This is actually to confirm what you heard from them. So your email reads, hey, thank you so much for your time. 
uh, below is a brief summary. Could you please email me back to let me know if it's all accurate and if I missed anything? That's the critical part here. And then your current situation is this, your timeline's this, your priorities are this. The impact to your business of this problem is this. And these are the next steps, like five or six bullet points of the core stuff, specifically around priorities, timeline, and impact. Then see if you get a response back. Usually I only get about a 25 to 30% response rate. But the 25 to 30% response that I get back, I have a 90% close ratio with it. Yeah. About 70% that I don't get a response back, I have about a 40% close ratio with. Yeah. So right there, it tells you how engaged that person is. And people above the power line, decision makers, usually have no problem responding to that email. People below the power line usually have a very big problem responding to that email because they don't want to commit to anything in writing. Yeah. So right there, that helps you hold them accountable for what they're saying. And then if they ghost you, you can also Google this, uh, and I call it the, did I lose you email? So what happens is say, man, well, you and I are having this conversation. It's a Monday, uh, Friday, we're supposed to have a next step. I send you the, after our Monday call, I send you that, um, summary email. You say, yes, Friday comes and you disappear on me. You ghost me. <laughs> I take that same email. I reply all to it. And I say, Hey man, well, and just do your basics. Hey, not sure what happened on Friday when you want to reschedule. Same thing two or three times, but then after about the third reply all, replace the subject line and write still interested and be like, hey, Manuel, could you let me know if you're still interested either way so I don't continue with unnecessary follow-up? Yeah. That one. Now, if you don't respond to that one, reply all one more time and replace the subject line and say, did I lose you? Question mark. And that's it. So when they open up the email, they see your signature file and the other five emails you've sent them. That did I lose you email? I get about a ninety percent response rate on. These are these are amazing nuggets, and if you know, then you know, and you can do it consistently. It's like quick question is subject line, and uh, first of course Patrick Trimby like asking like what's working for you, right? There's so many hacks and so many so much chugger. And like yeah, right. Quick question to compliance. It's like yeah, what's the quick question you ask? Like no, you don't get it. I ask quick question, like because that's what you do, and. I think like you, you grew up like selling Xerox, like printers, hardware. Yeah. I guess Some, uh, I had Ian Koenig on the show, best sales rep uh, at Salesforce for a while. Right? Yeah. Like, I think he worked for Rico. I did much smaller, like nonprofit stuff. But I mean, you ask like, hey, quick question. Um, <laughs> do, yeah. is your printer, are you happy with your printer? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's brevet. I mean, yeah, I know Ian really, really well. And uh, yeah, they're copiers. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you sold copiers, then uh, you, you put in your time and uh, you probably could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that's an interesting one because like for the ones of us who grew up like door to door pretty much um selling copies or whatever and now like email marketing is big we see a lot of sales reps that like just email 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 and they're afraid yeah. to pick up the phone and, and just dial like what's your your trigger to go from like email or written format to to dial and why do you also stop dialing because people don't reply so I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's all, right? It, it used to be, you know, when I was first in sales in early 2000, um, I graduated college in 98. So 98, 99, there really wasn't a ton of email going out. There wasn't a lot of internet stuff, you know, knowledge out there. So it was mostly phone, right? So it was mostly yeah. phone and, and going knocking on doors. And then email came pretty heavy and then everybody went to that. Now everybody's social, but it's not one or the other now. There's no singular source. It's about your contact strategy and it's about how you tell the story. So it's no longer the, you know, you can write one killer email and get a response. 
But on the flip side, what you don't want to do is, is over automate a cadence and send out 15 generic emails that are basically marketing. And I, I, I fundamentally don't understand why sales reps do that because they can get replaced by marketing very easily if they're just hammering out templates. Because somebody yeah. somebody gave them sales love to VP sales and yeah. sales, told the VP sales, your sales reps need to dial in like 200 emails every time and like just yeah. activity based measurement. I hate yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's awful. So, so the idea is you want to orchestrate a contact strategy based on the persona or the individual you're going after and tell a story. Yeah. So email, phone, you know, call, uh, text message, social. It, it's all about how you, you, you know, come up with five or six or seven, maybe even 10 touches that, that impact people in different ways. Because we as sales professionals right now, we need to be mini marketers um it's it's because that's why social is so important because we lay the groundwork and all these little positive impressions that we leave right whether it's a retweet a share on linkedin a comment on linkedin a cold call a voicemail an email a text message like all these messages if they're all value oriented and all at least relevant they don't have to be personalized Look, the holy grail of, 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 of prospecting is personal personalization and relevance. Like if I can be personalized and relevant to you, I usually, you know, come out on top. But if you're to force me to choose between personalization or relevance, I'm going to go relevance all day long. Because okay. just, just because you don't know why I went to the University of Maryland right now does not buy you any points these days. But yet I still get emails from reps saying, hey, John, I see you went to U Maryland, go Terps. And then it hard cuts to some value proposition that has nothing to do with what yeah. I'd be interested in. So you have yeah. to be relevant right now. Even like Justin Wells knew that it goes to like, I think 45,000 people right now. And it, like it's written there like and it goes to me as like, I know this is zero personalized, but it's yeah. still very valuable to me just like to learn, right? From, from well, then that's it. Like, I'd much rather have like, somebody send me an email and say, hey, John, as the CEO of a sales training organization, how have you made the switch from onsite to remote delivery and retain your revenue stream? Like that's a very relevant question yeah. you can ask somebody like me. And guess what? You can send that out to 50 other CEOs of sales training organizations and you'll be all right. But yeah. you doing some fake personalization because you found something on LinkedIn that's, you know, kind of interesting, but then don't tie it to the value or why you want to talk to me. That's actually, you're getting, uh, you lose points for that approach in my opinion these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to go back to the subject line one real quick. Um, how do you do this like regarding um, the switch like per industry or per buyer persona? Is it like the same approach always or this really matter? Like when you, for example, sell to sales people, they know all these tricks, right? Like if you write to a sales rep, like to a VP sales and you're selling Salesforce, for example, um, they know the interest, like did I lose you? Like got stuck in traffic, quick question stuff. I mean, I think if you're trying to use a trick, then I don't think it matters because tricks suck. Um, I think if you're trying to engage with people in a genuine way, I think, it, yeah, it does matter the type of person you're reaching out to. But did I lose you? I've been losing that for two to three years, man, probably four or five years at this point. It still works. Um, you know, yes, there are some techniques that get overused by sales reps because they're lazy with them because they're looking at them as a technique and looking at it as a silver bullet, but not looking at it within the context of the conversation. <clears throat> so I think if you just independently use anything that anybody puts out there on LinkedIn, as far as a tip or a technique, and don't really understand the context of how to use it, mm -hmm. I think anybody will sniff that out. 
But if you use it in a real genuine way, I think it, I think it works, you know, as long as you're persistent and, and you're thoughtful and you're relevant, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. And yes, you have to be targeted towards a persona. Like ideally I want, if I can't find something personalized, then I move down a notch to uh, industry and role. So like CIOs and yeah. healthcare, right? And so because CIOs and healthcare have different priorities than CIOs and manufacturing. And if I can understand that language slightly and tweak my messaging for CIOs and healthcare versus mm-hmm. the challenges that they face versus CIOs and manufacturing, okay. Now, if I can't find that that connection, well, then it's title or, or industry, right? So CIOs or you know manufacturing industry. And I want to be as relevant as possible to each one of those roles. Right, right. And I mean, you mentioned you work with like so many of like the world's leading tech companies. Like what's for you like the ideal customer profile with Jay Barrow's training that you found most most inspiring to work as well? Because it's really different if you work with like Google as a behemoth versus yeah. Okta, which is like up and coming unicorn, public trader by now, but after all. Yeah. I mean, look, the names, the logos sound great, but they all have similar challenges. You know, it's just the size of the sales team at the end of the day. And, and maybe the 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 how well known their name is uh, in some ways, but sometimes their name is a blessing and a curse, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, so like for instance, like Amazon, like everybody knows Amazon, but everybody thinks they know Amazon. They don't really know all the different departments that Amazon has and what the value that each division division can bring to your organization. It's the same thing with Salesforce. Like Salesforce is very, very well known, obviously here in the States and, and mostly EMEA. And but most people still think of Salesforce as a CRM, right? Yeah. Even though it's so much more than that. So, so they all face very similar challenges, whether they're known or unknown. And this is also why we moved, you know, I've moved the training quite far away from being very technique driven because techniques come and go, right? What worked six months ago is probably not working anymore right now. So we've shifted quite direct, you know, specifically to more of a structure. Like here's the structure of a good email. Here's the structure of a good voicemail. Here's the structure of a good contact strategy. Now for your company, what, you know, messaging that we put in there as far as your value props compared to other people's, that's going to be different. But the structure of, you know, we have this messaging equation that allows you to kind of put pieces together using your, you know, components of your solution and the personas that you're going after, but it produces messaging that we can put into emails, calls, and phone and everything else. So it doesn't really change. Uh, you know, I've trained companies with 10 reps. I've changed company, trained companies with 10,000 reps. Uh, but most of them are looking for something that, you know, a structure they can apply to be consistent without, you know, my challenge has always been, you know, unfortunately, so many reps are very lazy and, and a lot of them look for the silver bullet. They're looking for the perfect template. They're looking for that email yeah, that they, that they can just like do and then they go to yeah. the beach and... and... How exactly. do you do that? Like, I mean, it's like hiring for attitude, but I mean, especially at the size of these tech sales teams and the rate that they're hiring, right? I mean, at one point, if you say like, I want to grow from a sales team in this division from like 50 to 100 people, you're like, okay, honestly, like we only want to hire only A players, but like, okay, you get 10 A players, but the rest, like you either do not hire because you cannot find them or you hire 40 like A minus or B players. Yeah. How do you, what's your point on like how much of like an A player you always need versus like let's hire a B player and upskill them and how much besides the upskilling can you change attitude even? Yeah, no, that's why you have to hire on passion and drive versus skills. Um, I, you know, a while back I worked for Jack Welsh uh, who ran GE for a while 
And I worked for him to start his online MBA program. But early in my career, I had asked, uh, you know, I was my first company and we had gotten about 50 people and he had done this big seminar in Boston where he was doing a Q&A and there was about a couple thousand people there. And I got up and I asked him the question. I said, Jack, Jack, you know, you talk a lot about passion. You talk a lot about drive. And, you know, we're 50 people now. And it just feels like that 51st person that we've hired just doesn't have the same drive or the same passion as we mm -hmm. do when we started this business. Like, how can you instill your passion on someone else? And in front of 200 people, you know, 2,000 people, he pretty much told me I was an idiot. He goes, you know, you can't do that. You're looking at it wrong. He's like, you have to hire for passion. And that changed my entire perspective on hiring because I used to hire for skill. I used to hire for experience. I used to hire for those A players in the industry that were ballers that I could just plug right in and go. Yeah. And, it, and you know, and, and that was challenging. Um, and so I, I changed that because I can teach technique. I can teach skill. I can teach process. What I yeah. can't teach is drive. I can't teach passion. I can't teach the give a shit factor. And so I think depend, it doesn't matter if you're an A player, a B player, or a C player. If you have the drive to get better and you want to get better, then I'll, I'll take you all day long because I can coach you and, and get you to the point where you can be an A player, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I did this training one time and a sales rep, you know, asked me, you know, hey, John, you train a lot of the same techniques to the same, to all of our competitors. Like, how do, how do we differentiate if you're training us all the same information? And my answer to him was 10, 60, 30. And he said, what? I said, 10, 60, 30. I said, 10% of you in this room are going to take this content, run with it and excel because that's the type of people you are. 60% of you are going to do something different because it's easy and it makes sense. 30% of you ain't going to do shit different. So the question isn't how many, you know, the question isn't how many people can I train? The question is what percentage do you want to be in? And so for me, that's what I hire for. I hire for coachability. I hire for drive. I hire for passion and I'll teach you the rest of that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's so that's so true, right? It's also like people like, oh, like John Barrows is so successful on LinkedIn or like blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, it's very easy. Like 90% consume, 9% comment and 1% create. Sure. It's never been easier to belong to the 1%. It's free. Right. <laughs> it's really not that hard. Good. And it's about consistency <laughs> too. You know, I think anybody can be great for a year or two, a quarter or two, a month or two. You know what I mean? Like anybody can do that. To be consistently great, um you don't have to be consistently great you just have to be consistent and stay good. stay on the i shouldn't say the word stay on the f bus yeah <laughs> but again the person just, just be the last person on the bus and they will have a conversation yeah. with the bus driver well you know i don't know if you're fan, you're familiar with simon sinek but i'm a huge simon sinek fan right and yeah. he, he has this whole thing around the infinite game i know finished, yeah. Fan. Right. Like the, in the whole concept there is there's the finite game and the infinite game. The finite game is we're playing to win the game. Right. There's a winner and a loser and, the you know, in a timeline for it. Right. Um, I don't play the finite game. I, I, don't, I don't play the finite game. I play the infinite game. The infinite game is you're just you're just playing to stay in the game. And if you have that mentality, you don't care what your competition does. You don't care what any all the outside influences. You just keep moving forward. And that's always been my approach. Yeah. Yeah, um, amazing, like closing words, say, but we get, still got a little time, which is, which is fantastic. So maybe tell me a bit, like, after growing up selling Xerox printers, right? Like being basically like another printer door to door, there's a player like Ian uh, Koniak, it's a top 0.001%, it's not an exaggeration in your case. What difference do you see like from door to door sales people to really like tech sales? Like, I mean, Octa is, for example, a complex product in the authentication space. 
Not much. I, look, I mean, the, the problem, the, the thing with the door-to-door that I respect a lot is the fact that they do mostly full cycle sales, right? So they're yeah. they're the ones making the cold calls. They're the ones, you know, knocking on the doors, getting those meetings and closing that business. Yeah. In the passive tech world, we've gotten into this, you know, unfortunate predictable revenue model where everybody <laughs> is segmented out, you know, and you have the inbound SDRs, you have outbound BDRs, and then you have AEs that close, and then you do CSM. And so I think it's actually slowed the growth of, of sales professionals mm-hmm. and made a lot of sales professionals lazy um, yeah. because I, you know, it's funny, I get ADs now who tell, you know, you, you, you know, when they miss their quarter target, their excuses because their SDR didn't give them enough meetings. Right. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, to me, if I was a, if I was a VP of sales and a, a AE was sitting in front of me and I asked why they missed their quarter target, and their answer was because their SDR didn't give them, before that even got out of their mouth, I would fire them, right? Because I don't understand people that rely on somebody else uh, to dictate their success. So, you know, I think there's, there's, um, there's, there's still, don't get me wrong, there's still people within the system that do great and excel at each one of those roles and actually it's a it's a benefit because they master being an SDR first. They're not like looking at the SDRs like, oh, how fast can I get through this role so I can get to the next role? They're like, no, no, no. It's like Picasso, right? I studied Picasso in school. He mastered every single medium before he went to the next one, which ultimately turned him into Picasso, right? He didn't like yeah. do acrylics and, and then just kind of, oh, let me just dabble in this and dabble in this because I want to get to the point where I can draw this beautiful thing. No, no, no. He mastered for years. You know, he, he worked with acrylics. For years, he worked with oils. For years, he worked in this medium and he mastered each one of them. So the sales reps that take that approach and aren't so... Um, I don't want to say lazy, but I'm so impatient. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Is like, I, I want to be an STR for six months. Then you need to promote me. Otherwise, I go to the next one. Like, Well, here's a stat for you. The Trish, Trish Bertuzzi from the Bridge Group uh, came up with this a few years back, and I think it's still accurate, that if an SDR stays in a role for less than six months, okay, less than six months, and they get promoted to be an AE, the failure rate of them is like 85%. 85%. Failure rate if they get promoted, if they only sit in the SDR role for six months and move to an AE. But if they stay for 18 months and then move to an AE, their failure rate's like 7%. Yeah, so, I've seen the same working consulting, like Accenture, arguably one of the most successful consulting firms. And people always push, like, I will quit and go to Deloitte if they don't promote me mid year from junior to senior consultant. Like, why? Are you enjoying the project? Are you learning? Are you? That's the thing. Well, you're obviously earning enough money for your not existing family right now. Yeah, but then I didn't earn the respect and I want to be managing within two and a half Why? 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 You have, your career is a minimum of 40. You hopefully, your career is going to be a minimum of 40, 50, 60 years. So you want you want to blast through and, and get to get to where? Right. Yep. I, I mean, what I don't understand the rush. Um, I mean, I, I do because uh, we're in a short term society and everything else. But from my, you know, the, the people who are flash, you know, flashing the bands, like rarely last. The people who take a very thoughtful, methodical approach to their careers, their lives and everything else and are well thought out and learn along the way to your point in the journey. 
versus the destination. What people don't understand is the destination is rarely as exciting as you think it's going to be. So, so if you're thinking like, oh, I get to, you know, what I can't wait to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Mm. Once you get a hundred thousand, like the journey to get that is what drives you. But then once you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're kind of like, uh, okay, what's next? Because there's right. no dare, right? They're all like, especially like people like you are like highly dopaminergic people as like, okay, the if you have drive initially, the drive that's necessary to basically excel professionally, then you will not be done. <laughs> exactly. And and if you don't enjoy the ride, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like it just there, there, there is no end game here in, in so many ways. This is why when I talk about work-life balance. I think work-life balance is bullshit. I, I, I wish people would stop thinking about it that way because what you say when you think about work-life, when, when you tell me, when you talk to me about work-life balance, what you're saying to me is this, it, it tells me that you work and then you live. Now, if you break up your life in a little bit here, we, we sleep about a third of our life. We work about a third of our life. So that means you're telling me with that mentality that you truly only live for a third of your life. Yeah, like now it's Monday morning, John. Like your life needs to suck from Monday morning right. to Friday afternoon, and then you're gonna live for two days, and then you're gonna live not, a, and it's gonna suck. That's, you know, <laughs> but it's gonna promote you faster from junior account executive to senior account executive. Right. <laughs> Congratulations, right? And 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 that to me is so sad. So to me, it's work life integration. And you do that by enjoying the journey, by being passionate about what you do, by understanding what your why and your values are and, and believing in what you do, right? And, and having goals and all that stuff. That's the that's the fun part. Uh, you know, Absolutely. It's just, you know, uh, I mean, too many people, I think, get too caught up in the, in, in the what, what success looks like versus what they want for success for themselves. Yeah, I think, I think now that there's like, porn, porn, sexual porn, right? And then start startup porn, everybody's just raising series B and becoming yeah. like IPO. And, and then I think there's like now B2B tech sales porn, right? Everybody's right. already like two quarter million OTE and people never go to rep if you check that only 30% of people make on target earnings. Like, what do you see happening in probably the next six to 12 months with an upcoming recession? Because honestly, in the US, like Germany, German speaking market, was a bit similar everybody that could ask how many seats you need they could earn 50k and everybody that could also send an offer could earn 100k that decent yeah look i think you know i i do believe that i i do wish that everybody would just kind of shut up and just go to work because i think we're kind of talking ourselves into a recession quite frankly uh that said when a hundred percent of the pundits say that there's going to be a recession you probably should pay attention a little bit um but i think what's coming is is a, is more of the same, you know, I think the reps who are going through the motions, the reps who are not paying attention are going to be the ones who are going to get light off, the ones who are going to be, you know, furloughed or, you know, hopefully furloughed for their sake, um, but probably laid off. Uh, and technology is going to be more and more efficient to do certain things, uh, specifically cadences and sequences, right? And artificial intelligence is getting smarter and smarter. Um, so there's, I think what happened when crypto took the crash, um, and everybody stopped paying attention to crypto. I think all those engineers turned their their minds and, and their brain power onto AI because what we've been watching in artificial intelligence in the past six months has been absolutely bananas. Some of the stuff that's coming out there with natural language and all these different things. So I think there's a lot of sales reps that really need to start paying attention and asking themselves the question, you know, what can I do that, that a computer can't? 
right? The, the ones that the ones that only like get sales loft and use the pre-written template and don't want to right. put in the work to really care about like the buy role and like the yeah, no, don't get replaced. Yeah. There's technology that can do that better right now. You know, all the I, I scared I scared sales reps, you know, SDRs a lot because I walk into sales organizations and I'll say, you know, if I was a VP of sales right now, the first thing that I, if I was a brand new VP of sales, the first thing that I would do walking into an organization, I would say, I want to see every email that goes out right now. I want to see every email but, but from every rep. And if they were all templated bullshit cadences, temp, like, I would say, like, I'd be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to save this company a ton of money right now. I'm going <laughs> to fire every single SDR. I'm going to hire a marketing ops person. I'm going to go all in on Marketo, Eloqua, Pardot, pick a tool. I don't care. And I'm going to do this a thousand times better than any sales rep ever could because the tools are there. The technology is there. So the sales reps who are paying attention are going to survive and thrive. The people who are not are just going through the motions and hoping to get their next bump up for, you know, because they did their job or whatever. Those are the ones that are going to get laid off and get replaced. Right, I agree. Like the, the Justin Michael tech power, it says, like, <laughs> error is coming, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but one, one last question. Like, I mean, yeah. you, you obviously had the pause of like where tactical sales develops, like AI is a part. You mentioned, like, on the human side, like, what's the most interesting trend that you see, like, in 2023 to 2025 emerging? The most important we had, we had like we had like video sales letters, we had conversational intelligence, we had like medic like a while ago, we had like yeah, I mean, you know, conversation intelligence is kind of interesting, but I don't think people still know how to coach to it. So I think it's still pretty far off from being really, really effective. I think it's great for the people that, that are good coaches and know how to use that information. You know, I think the 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 stuff that I'm seeing is is actually again not human. It's it's the it's the aggregation of data using um, AI tools to write posts. Like I just saw this one technology that literally is an AI um, uh, social post uh, producer. Mm. So you put in all your you know you think of like a LinkedIn search field yeah. where you put in all the different criteria and you say okay I'm a Personally, I'm a CEO of a sales training organization that sells into SaaS and tech. And here's five influencers that I tend to follow. And here are the topics that I like to learn about and want to share. And it goes out and it actually brings up content from all different sources. And then you choose which one and then it auto writes a post for you based on that stuff. And then you just tweak it and then you can schedule it out throughout the rest of the week. So or, you can be or even or even much simpler and i wonder actually why nobody executes that play like give it access to shield the ai right like which analyze your posts and like take all the ones that did like more than 100 engagements or whatever is a good benchmark for you and then like i give you like the top 10 influences in my space right like go to john barrows go to justin yeah. Welch, go to like um ian cognac and so on and take their content and then synthesize right um right. I mean, like there was a there was an AI bot. I don't know if you saw it, but they they unleashed an AI bot that um, uh, had Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs interview each other. <laughs> and it's it's real. That's hilarious. Like, it, they they gave they gave the AI, AI bot every single interview that it, that Steve Jobs has ever done, and every single interview that Joe Rogan has ever done. And they just put two, and they did a podcast no human involved but it was joe rogan and steve jobs talking and it was pretty fucking scary i mean it, like yeah. they were having a real conversation with nuanced stuff and the way that joe rogan introduces steve jobs is like wait a minute like 
Like that sounded like a real intro because he kind of teased it. And yeah. it's like, and and because he doesn't say who who he's interviewing yet. So he's like, coming up, you know, my guest is a really interesting da 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 da. da. And you're like, holy shit, like that sounds exactly that's Joe Rogan. That's nuanced. That how that's how he and, and it's mm. all AI. So that and there's another tool that I just saw where for for what I do, like training. I go into studio, for instance, like when I do all my online content, everything, I go out to Vegas, I sit in studio with a producer and I sit there with the lights on and I cut up the content, all this other stuff. There's now, there are now tools where I can go to a website. I can choose a person, not an avatar, a person. And you could be a black woman, a white male, a Chinese, you know, you name it, right? And I can choose that person. And then in the background, upload all of my text for my, my training. And that person will, and it's not a person, it's an actual AI thing, That's but crazy. it looks exactly like, like, like a, a deep fake. Deep fake, a hundred percent deep fake. And it will, it will speak my training and it will look a hundred percent natural. So I, are, you, are you doing that right now? Like, are you thinking about like no, in yet. terms of inclusivity? Like, so like, hey, this would actually be good, like from an identity perspective, and like people are gonna listen more to people who are similar yeah. to them. Totally. We're not doing it yet, but we will. There's no question about it. That's I think we have a very diverse team, so I can, I can, you know, do that ourselves. And I think there is, you know, value because we do the training too. But if I was a pure online play. For an information product, that's perfect, right? So, yeah. and so, yeah, kind of a closing personality and an SDR personality and like customer success personality. Yeah. <laughs> like if I wanted to, if I wanted to do training, like my training, I'm a bald white guy, right? From, from Boston here. But if I want to go to India, I could choose some, and, and, you know, somebody who, looks like they're from India and have them speak my training in their natural language. You can probably speak, like script your script your Q and A and I mean you know what 57 questions come up and yeah. the Indian AI could basically like answer the question and everybody would have a pretty good time as well. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't have to do a thing. So yeah. it's so those are the type of things that when you go back to like sales reps what they should be paying attention to what's going to happen. Like that's the stuff that's happening and that's happening now. Forget about two years from now. I mean, how fast things are moving right now is, is, is mind numbing as far as um, the, the, the technology and, and what it's doing to our, to, to buyers, to sellers, to everybody in between. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic insight. So like, that's a good cliffhanger for like LinkedIn post then like listen to the end to learn what, what's next. Right. But um, <laughs> wrapping it up. So then um, thanks so much, John, for taking the time to really talk top 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 1% tactical sales nuggets. Uh, you found your own company with like about 15 people in your two, two divisions, uh, also convinced that the fragmented B2B sales SDR, ACSM um, model actually is like slows growth down and like, promoting SDRs 2000 might be actually setting up to fail. So also, what I really love, like growing up in several store to go sales um, and just sharing amazing insights, like getting commitment for the follow up on the follow up, so to say, replacing the subject line, focus on quality before quantity, not just like um, blasting the hell out of, of sales loft. And then also um, being relevant. I mean, even if it's unpersonal, being relevant better than the other way around, like being personally irrelevant is even worse. And then all good old higher for attitude and scale of skills. And then um, really love the insights about what's next with AI. So thanks so much and looking forward to uh, all your content to come. Yeah, an AI or from you personally live. I appreciate it. And just if anybody wants free content, uh, the YouTube channel is the best one, sellbetter.xyz. Go check it out. Uh, YouTube, sellbetter.xyz or uh, sellbetter.xyz is where we do daily live shows for all our free content. So. 
Amazing. Thanks so much for sharing. All the follow John on LinkedIn and reach out to him anytime. I hope you had fun. Thanks so much.